They're crazy, they're zany, and just plain nuts, but they love Jesus. America's Keswick and all of you. Here are the hosts of the Bob and Bill podcast, Robert Hayes and Bill Welty. Well, it's Wednesday, and this is episode 16 of the Bob and Bill podcast. It's really good to see you. Well, it's good to be seen. Like you're over there, we're doing our social, social distancing. distancing thing, yep. which is really cool. And it's beautiful, Keswick, right? It's now. amazing. It is amazing. And it, what would make it more amazing? People being here. Yeah, we, we really miss you. Well, most of you. <laughs> There's a couple of you that we don't really... No, that's not true. We, we do miss even those people. Yes, we do. And we, we'd love to have you here, and uh, the grounds are beautiful, the dining room has been redone. It's amazing, the work that's being done on the property. So you need to pray that we can soon open up, because we're, we're starting to get rammy here. But we're excited today because Elizabeth's with us again, and she's going to play a wonderful song. You're going to accompany her, yep. You Raise Me Up. Let's give a listen to Elizabeth as she plays.
So one of our favorite Bible teachers here in America's Keswick is Dr. Roger Wilmore. In fact, yes. we call him the America's Keswick <laughs> pastor, and he just has such an amazing way of communicating Scripture. So he's going to be sharing part one of his message today, and then on Friday we'll, we'll share the second part. So let's give a listen to our good friend, Dr. Roger Wilmore, as he shares God's Word. I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Most of you would not have to turn to this verse, but i like for you to see the verses that we're preaching from and, and have your eyes fixed on that text. I'm just going to pull the one verse. It's in a larger context, as you know. But I'm preaching tonight under the title, The Difference Christ Makes. The Difference Christ Makes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Amen? This is the Word of God. Therefore, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any woman is in Christ Jesus, she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If any teenager, boy or girl, is in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. This is a word to us tonight. By the way, this is a word of testimony. It is a word of testimony from the man, a man who speaks with great authority. He is a man who was known previously as one who would murder and massacre and persecute the followers of Jesus Christ. He had one mission, and his mission was to annihilate Christians from the face of the earth and to extinguish the life of the church. Saul of Tarsus. But Saul of Tarsus had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And his life was forever changed. And when he wrote this verse that we're looking at tonight, he was not quoting or referring to or talking about something that he had read in a book. He wasn't referring to somebody else's testimony. He wasn't saying, I've heard so-and-so or so-and-so say this. He said, I can, speak, I can speak in authority because I am the person who experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in my own life. Amen. God took a man who was a persecutor and made him a preacher. He took a man who was a murderer and made him the greatest missionary of all time. He took a man whose heart and life was filled with blasphemy and hatred and made him a trophy of his own grace to the glory of God. Amen. And you know the good news is this. The Apostle Paul does not have a monopoly on this truth or on this experience. Sitting in this room tonight, and I've been coming here long enough to know some of these people personally. 
There are trophies of God's grace sitting here. We saw the video. I'm glad we saw that video tonight. That video touched my heart. We were reminded that we are in a place where God speaks to hearts and changes lives. If you've come into this room tonight feeling, as Travis's testimony gave us just a few moments ago, a sense of being so far from God, so far gone that life is hopeless and helpless, I want you to hear the Word of God tonight because our God has a long arm. You are not beyond the reach of God. And there's not a thing in your life tonight. You may say, well, preacher, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I am. You are correct. I don't, but I know who does. His name is Jesus. And He has the power to change your life. Change your life. Now, we're talking about a changed life, the difference that Christ makes. Now, we're all changing. You can't sit there and say, well, I'm not going to change, and just kind of bow up in resistance and say, I'm not going to change. We're all changing. We're all in a process of changing. Things affect our lives, and things affect change in our lives. I think about crises, and I've had several conversations this week with some of you, as I do year by year, and I hear some stories that break my heart about tragedies and crises that you are experiencing in life. We all experience them from time to time when these unexpected things happen in life. And, and I, I've, I've experienced in my own life where one, one telephone call could put, has put my life on a totally different trajectory because of the bad news, the sad news, the tragic news that came. It can happen just like that. A crisis can change your life. Marriage can change your life. Some of you will say amen to that. Amen. Uh, marriage can change your life. And um, I don't know about some of you men. I'll, I'll divert a little bit. We started off kind of strong here. And I'll give you a moment to catch your breath and relax before I hit you again. But um, <laughs> marriage... It, it took me a long time to be a husband. And you know what I've discovered? I'm still in the process of learning how to be a husband. Amen. One of the things that I had to learn as a husband was that telling my wife the one time at the wedding altar that I loved her wasn't enough times to tell her that. <laughs> I, I remember the two that went to the counselor and the counselor finally just said to them, he said, sir, you need to... He said, you need to tell your wife that you love her. She's just missing that you, you don't tell her that you love her. And he said to the counselor, I told her the day I married her that I loved her. And if I ever change my mind, she'll be the first one to know. <laughs> well, that's, that's not the way it works. We're in a process of change. Environment changes. Environment changes. Uh, we've had a good bit of table talk at... Uh, lunch table and supper table today about things that are going on in our world politically and otherwise. Uh, we're living in a changing world and the changing world affects us. Our education or lack of education can affect us. Many things change our lives. But we're not talking about that kind of change. We're not talking about just change. We're talking about transformation. And Jesus doesn't come into your life or into my life merely to just change us for change's sake. 
He comes into our lives to transform us. You say, transform us into what? And I'm glad you asked that question. It is a great question. Listen to this. The purpose of our redemption. I want you to hear this because I don't hear too many people say this. The purpose of Jesus Christ going to the cross and giving His life as a substitute sacrifice for you and me to pay our sin debt, He did that. And He went to the tomb. He was buried in the tomb. And He was raised again the third day. And He ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, to rule and to reign forevermore. He did not do that just to get you and me out of hell and into heaven. He did that that He might get hell out of us and put heaven into us. He came to transform us. He came to put back on our lives the image of God. That which our parents in the Garden of Eden lost because of their disobedience, because of their sinfulness, made in the image of God. That image marred, scarred, lost because of defiant rebellion. And Jesus said, I've come that I might transform your life and once again put the impression of the image of God upon your life. We shouldn't be waiting to get to heaven to enjoy the results of the cross. Amen. We should be living every day with an awareness that God intends us to be vehicles of His glory day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, every day. Amen. Jesus transforming our lives. I see how He transformed Simon Peter. Called him to be a disciple. He followed Jesus obediently, a salty seaman, a fisherman, a man who used foul language, a man who was short-tempered, and, and Jesus changed his life. But even after Simon Peter became a Christian, he had a moment of failure, significant failure, denying Jesus. You know that story, and you know that even... Almost as soon as it happened, Simon Peter's heart was broken. But after the resurrection, when Jesus sent Mary and said, Go tell the disciples where to meet me. And do you remember what he said? And tell Peter to come too. Because he knew the condition Simon Peter was in. How many of you failed Jesus after you were saved? Amen. After Amen. you were saved. Amen. Many hands are going up. Didn't really expect you to do that, but that's all right. Just, I see that hand, brother, and I know your story, too. So, I, um, anyway, Peter came back, and we see him on the day of Pentecost preaching the Word of God in such power that 3,000 people were instantaneously swept into the kingdom of God. We're talking about a changed man. We're talking about transformation of life. I like to read about the Gadarenean maniac in Mark chapter 5. That man, the first streaker living in a cemetery. <laughs> bound by chains. He had such supernatural demonic strength that he could break the chains that bound him. He raced through the cemetery, cutting himself, bruising himself on the tombstones in that cemetery. Filled with demons. Jesus came on the scene, cast the demons out of this man. Put him and the swine that were there, and the swine going over the... You know the story. 
They went out to tell the owners of the swine what had happened, and they came rushing back to see what was going on. And I love what Mark records. He said, when they came, when those men, the owners of the pigs, came to that place, they saw this demoniac sitting clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. That's a change. That's a transformation of life. I give that illustration because some of you need to know that you may be, you, you feel you're in the same condition that that man was in and you can be changed. I think about the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well meeting Jesus there. Jesus engaged her in conversation gently, respectfully, just engaged her in conversation. He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, I know you don't have a husband. You've been married five times and you're living with a man right now that's not your husband. You think he did that to condemn her, to hurt her, to insult her? No. He was pulling back the veil of her own life and letting her see her own heart, a woman who was searching for happiness and meaning and fulfillment in life. Had already spent time with five men trying to fill that vacuum, that hole in her life that she might have some sense of belonging, some sense of love, some sense of purpose. The old country song would go something like this, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. And she didn't find it. Well, let's not be too hard on her because there's some in this room tonight who are looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for purpose in all the wrong places. You're looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. But before that conversation was over, that woman was saying, this must surely be the Messiah, the one whom God has sent to be our Savior. A life was changed. She went into the city and began to tell who? The men. The men about the man she had seen. And in a little while, she's coming back. And it was there that Jesus looked out across the way and He said, the fields are white unto harvest. He was seeing those eastern turbans on those men, those white robes on those men, throngs of them coming to see Jesus. And He said, the fields are white unto harvest. This woman, this Samaritan woman, her life is changed. And of course, we've already looked at Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. I could list many more. Some of you have your name on this list. I want my name on this list. I want to know the, the power and authority of what Jesus is talking, what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. There are two main things about this passage that I want us to see. What does it say? What is 2 Corinthians 5.17 saying to us? Well, number one, it tells us that a person who is a Christian is different from a person who is not a Christian. I don't know if you know the name George Barna. It wasn't very long ago that in some of his research on the contemporary Christian church, and I don't mean contemporary in the sense that we use that word, the modern church, the 21st century church, he said one of the things about the 21st century church and the 21st century world is that we are now living in a time that there's hardly any distinguishable difference between Christians and non-Christians. 
Christians are doing the same things non-Christians are doing. Going to the same places non-Christians are going. Using the same language non-Christians are using. Being the same kind of person non-Christians are being. There's hardly any difference. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if 2 Corinthians 5.17 means anything, it means we should be different from those who do not know Jesus. Now, I know I'm at an age that people can say, well, you're old and you're old fogey, you're out of the old school. And uh, no, I just believe the Bible. I just believe what Jesus says. And the truth of the matter is, when we stand up for Jesus and live by the Word of God, we are going to be different. And we are going to be accused of being the old fogey or whatever else you may want to use. I know you use different language up here. By the way, the first two... The first two years that I came to America's Keswick, I had a translator. Uh, you don't know that, but, uh, but you have learned to understand me. And um, I'm still waiting to be able to understand you, but I'm glad you, <laughs> I'm glad you understand me. We ought to be different. Don't you want to be different? Don't you want people to ask you the question, what is it about you? What makes you tick? What makes you different from the rest of the world? How is it that you're calm when everybody else is angry? How is it that you have a sense of peace when everybody else is wringing their hands about the world coming apart? How is it that you have a sense of hope for the future and everybody else thinks we're on a sinking ship and going down fast? His name is Jesus. And He's ruling and reigning in my heart. Second thing this text tells us is that we, we have the very secret of this life that I'm trying to describe to you tonight. The verse tells us, and the phrase, the phrase that, that Paul uses, by the way, 130 times, it is a Pauline signature statement, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Christ, therefore, if any man, any woman, any young person is what? In Christ. In Christ. You say, what is the secret of the Christian life? We can talk for a long time or we can talk for a few seconds. I can do it in a few seconds. The secret is in Christ. The problem with many of us is that we've come unplugged from in Christ. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 15 and the first seven verses. And I'm, I'm, doing, I'm going into pastor mode now. If I haven't told you lately, I was a pastor for 42 years. <laughs> and, I, I'm, and Brother Bill Welty, Dr. Bill Welty has already given me a new title, America's Keswick Pastor, well, I'm going to take advantage of that. When I was pastoring, I loved moments like this where I could just stop my congregation and I would say something like, now I'm going to tell you the secret. Some of you are wondering how to live this life. We talk about the victorious Christian life. By the way, the Keswick movement was kind of known for some of these, the deeper life, the higher life, uh, the victorious life, and uh, whatever the others are on that list. And, and I use that language, I understand that language, but I remember one day hearing Stephen Olford say, we talk about the deeper life, the higher life, the victorious life. He said, I understand all those phrases, but at the, the bottom line is this, we're talking about the normal Christian life. Just the normal Christian life.
<clears throat> well, Bob, tomorrow is a very busy day at America's Keswick. What's happening? Tomorrow is our virtual hymn sing online. We can't wait for... Um, <laughs> I wish the people were going to be here. Yeah. It would be much, much more interactive. We are saving on food, though. We don't have to buy as many donuts and bagels. <laughs> But, right. but it's going to be good. We're going to be celebrating the National Day of Prayer, uh, singing some patriotic songs, and uh, taking some of your favorites. This weekend is our Family Freedom Walk, and if you'd like us to sing your favorite, it's going to cost you $100. And you can call 1-800-453-7942, and you can tell us what your favorite is, and you can give a gift online, or you can give your credit card to our guest services representative. And then tomorrow... At 1.30, we have our Facebook Live with mm-hmm. you and Joyce. Mm-hmm. And then at 2.30, we have the Keswick Ripple podcast. That's right. And uh, Jim Lang is going to be doing an interview of one of our men in the addiction recovery ministry. So there's a lot of things happening here online. We thank you for joining us for the podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on Friday at 2.30. God bless. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let us know. Write us at bewealthy at americaskeswick.org, or it'll be in the description below. If you'd like to learn more information about America's Keswick, you can visit our website at www.americaskeswick.org. Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 2.30 for the next edition of the podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Tyler. And have a good and godly day.